us here at Eagle's Quest every Monday, 6 p.m. here at KKVV Las Vegas. Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Posted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we're on Save the Lost at All Costs. I'm out at a location, but I am here with you today, and I thank you for tuning in, and it's going to be a wonderful time in Christ. If you're local, we do have a local number for you, and that local number would be 702-650-5588. Again, that local number would be 652 65 5588. Now, we're also being streamed, excuse me, live from KKVV's website, and that web address is www.kkvv.com. Again, www.kkvv.com. You can actually uh, log on and listen to the broadcast live. Also, you can go to Save the Loss at All Costs' website, and that web address is www. Dot save the loss, LV, dot org. Again, that website again is www.savethelosslv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, you can go there and click on to our radio archives, listen to anything that you missed. Uh, we have several, you know, man, well over 100 broadcasts that you can listen to. Again, the gospel is always free on our watch. If you have a uh, Apple device, we are being archived on iTunes. So you can go to iTunes, again, save the loss at all costs, listen as often as you like. It's still no charge. The gospel is free. If you have a cell phone, we would like you to plug in this number to your cell phone device because you should have it anyway so that you can listen to KKVV anytime that you like. And that cell phone number is 563-999-3194. It only works in the United States. So, again, that number to dial on your cell phone to listen live, you can listen to us right now, would be 563-999-3194. Uh, the topic we're going to get into today is what is an evangelical. So I've been doing some research online. Naturally, I always use my Bible. And I have some articles that i like to share with you. And as you know, I am giving you one Greek word a week. So I do have my Greek word for you, and I am going to pull that up so that you can get blessed by that as well. So our Greek word uh, comes from Strong's G2-1. 
2098. Again, it's Strong's G2098. And it is the word that you would use for evangelical. So it is the Greek word. So we are going to give you that spelling, and then we're going to give you that pronunciation, uh, and that would be your word for this week. So the word that I'd like to spell for you is E-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-O-N. Again, that word is E-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-O-N, and it is pronounced Yon-Gilion, and so it means evangelical, which also means the gospel or the good news. And um, it appears in the Bible at uh, Matthew 4.23, Matthew 9.35, Matthew 24.14, Matthew 26.13, Mark 1.1, Mark 1.14, Mark 1.15, Mark 8.35, Mark 10.29, Mark 13.10, Mark 14.9, Mark 16.15, Acts 15.7, Acts 20.24, Romans 1.1, Romans 1.9, Romans 1.16, Romans 2.16, Romans 10.16, Romans 11.28, Romans 15.16, Romans 15.19, Romans 15.29, Romans 16.25, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 12, 1 Corinthians 9.14, Corinthians 9.18, Corinthians 9.23, 1 Corinthians 15.1, 2 Corinthians 2.12, 2 Corinthians 4.3, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 2 Corinthians 8.18, 2 Corinthians 9.13, 2 Corinthians 10.14, 2 Corinthians 11.4, 2 Corinthians 11.7, Galatians 1.6, Galatians 1.7, Galatians 1.11, Galatians 2.2, Galatians 2.5, Galatians 2.7, Galatians 2.14, Ephesians 1.13, Ephesians 3.6, Ephesians 6.15, Ephesians 6.19, uh, Philippians 1.5. So as you can see, yeah, we have a lot of examples of Strong's G 29.8. And for instance, uh, when we look at uh, Matthew 4.23, So let's go to Matthew uh, 4.23 and see what the Word of God says. As you know, I will be coming out of uh, the new King James Version, but I just want to give you uh, what it has for the Word of God. So let's get into that. And again, I'm in the new King James Version, so if you can just give me a moment, I'm going to get there with you. And... The Word of God says this. Again, we're in Matthew 4.23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. See, it says preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And this would appear in the Bible 46 times which is the gospel, the gospel of Christ, uh, mentioned 11 times, and the gospel of God mentioned seven times. So now we 
have an understanding of where we can find it in the scriptures, and we're going to dwell back into the scriptures. But I have an article that I want to share with you in doing my research that I think is very poignant. And again, we're talking about what is evangelical. So this uh, article was written by a gentleman by the name of John Merritt, uh, excuse me, Jonathan Merritt, M-E-R-R-I-T-T. He wrote it on December the 7th, uh, 2015, and it would appear in the Atlantic Magazine, the Atlantic Magazine. And so uh, I'm going to read it for you. I think uh, you will find it very enlightening. Uh, Mr. Merritt has done some research, and uh, we appreciate uh, his research. So I'm going to read uh, uh, some excerpts from here, and I quote, The religious historian George Marston once quipped that in the 1950s and 60s, an evangelical Christian was anyone who likes Billy Graham. But when Billy Graham was asked to define the term in the late 1980s, he replied, actually, that's a question I'd like to ask somebody too. As it turns out, Even America's most famous evangelical preacher couldn't describe what the term meant. Graham isn't alone. Why the word evangelical pops up in American media to describe everything from mega churches to voting blocks, few people seem to know what an evangelical is exactly. Those who claim to know often disagree. The disparate nature of evangelicalism makes its members difficult to define. They don't have a single authority like the Roman Catholic Pope or Mormon First Presidency, so you can't just phone a central office and ask for the official definition. Since they span a range of denominations, churches, and organizations, there is no single membership statement to delineate identity. As a result, individual observers are left to decide how to define what makes someone or something evangelical. To the pollster, it is a sociological term. To the pastor, it's a denominational or doctrinal term. And to the politician, it is a symbol for a white Christian Republican. That would be synonym. So what is an evangelical for the love of God, and why does it even matter? The answer requires an understanding of both the history and theological theology of the movement. Let me repeat that. So what is an evangelical for the love of God, and why does it even matter? The answer requires an understanding of both the history and theology of the movement. The term evangelical derives from the Greek word, meaning gospel or good news. Technically speaking, evangelical refers to a person, church, or organization that is committed to the Christian gospel message that Jesus Christ is the Savior of humanity. The Greek root word is used in the New Testament and was popularized in the first centuries A.D. to distinguish the love Centric movement of Jesus' followers from the violent Roman Empire that often made its own good news announcement to celebrate military victories. 
by words, excuse me, but words are more than their etymologies and dictionary definitions. They carry connotations with them too, which change over time and across geographies as they are used in different ways and settings. According to the Institute for the Study of American Evangelicals at Wheaton College outside of Chicago, Martin Luther first used the Latinized form of the word evangelium to describe the non-Catholic churches birthed by the Protestant Reformation in the 19, excuse me, in the 1500s. But the term largely took hold in the English-speaking world more than a century later during the Great Awakening. A series of revivals in Britain and the American colonies led by fiery preachers such as Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, due to their influence, evangelicalism became a synonym for revivalism or a fervent expression of Christianity marked by an emphasis on converting outsiders. By the early 1800s, it was by far the dominant expression of Christianity in the United States. In some ways, Christianity took a beating in the early 1900s in America. The carnage of two war, world wars and a Great Depression raised questions about whether God existed, and if so, whether God was both powerful and good, and modern science raised doubts about the viability of Christianity's explanations for the origins of life. Evangelical leaders spanning denominations contemplated forming an organization to represent what one pastor called the unvoiced multitudes. And in 1942, the National Association of Evangelicals was born. While the National Association of Evangelicals couldn't claim to be the sole or definitive voice speaking on evangelicals' behalf, it helped redefine the term. According to Robert What's now? The director of Princeton University's Center for the Study of Religion and the author of Inventing American Religion, the de facto definition for evangelical was any person who belonged to a church aligned with the 40-odd denominations under the National Association of Evangelicals umbrella. Depending on how you define the term, Evangelicals compromise between 7% and 47% of the American population. But in 1976, the term went mainstream when a peanut farmer named Jimmy Carter won the Democratic primary and then the general election. He became the first U.S. president to call himself a born-again evangelical Christian. Pundits scrambled to understand who evangelicals were and how many existed. Newsweek ran a cover story declaring 1976 the year of the evangelical. Not to be left out, more conservative evangelicals who diverged from Carter politically became mobilizing under new organizational banners like the Christian Coalition and the Moral Majority, collectively labeled the religious right. These political active conservative Christians 
were well-funded and media-savvy, but they were only able to become a synonym with the evangelical with the evangelicalism with the help of American posters. When the National Association of Evangelicals was founded, what now says new reports estimated that the organization represented about 2 million people. Ten years later, in 1953, the National, Organiz- excuse me, the National Association of Evangelicals claimed it represent. 10 million. Lack of data made the number impossible to verify at the time. In 1967, one New York Times reporter estimated the number to be around 20 million with Carter's emergence. George Gallup decided to conduct a poll which he defined evangelical as anyone who claimed to be born again. This simplistic definition led Gallup to report that as many as 50 million Americans, a third of the eligible electric, were evangelical. The unvoiced multitudes now had their microphone. Conservative Christian leaders embraced the spotlight and their newfound legitimacy, and pastors began showing up on the nightly news as in a major magazines to endorse candidates and push forward policies, proposal. Over time, and in the minds of many, evangelical became a catch-all term for politically conservative Christians. In recent years, however, a range of definitions for evangelical have been proposed. Many polling firms, like Pew Research, count everyone who defines themselves as evangelical or born again. A prominent Christian polling firm, Barner Group, has traditionally used a very specific nine-question definition that requires, for example, the person to claim they believe Satan exists. And Molly Worthen, University of North Carolina professor and author of Apostles of Reason, the crisis of authority in American evangelicalism defines evangelicals as Christians who are wrestling with a set of specific questions. This may all sound obscure, but it matters. Evangelicals' influences may be wanting, but it's still important for us to understand who evangelicals are, who speaks for them, and what the future looks like, says David Kinnaman, president of the Barner Group and author of the forthcoming Good Faith, Being a Christian When Society Thinks You're Irrelevant and Extreme. The way one defines evangelical influences the story they tell about the most influential group within the most influential religion and the world's most influential country. Depending on how <clears throat> excuse me, you define the term, evangelicals comprise between 7 and 47% of the American population, divergent definitions have led to inconsistent, even contradictory survey results about evangelicals, beliefs, and characteristics. Reports based on these surveys can shape elections, public policy, and broader public opinion. 
So I'm going to stop right there. I think uh, you can get a, a grasp of what's going on as far as how it's being reported in a cultural context. But what's most important is what the Bible says about being an evangelical. And that's what we need to concentrate on. Because when you look at it from a cultural standpoint, from a popular standpoint, from a mainstream standpoint, um, it would leave a lot of people out. And everybody does not fit into that definition. And we have to understand, why are they collecting this information? Why is it important to put people in a category? Why is it important to try to water down what the Word of God has intended for us? So you have to really, really ask yourself that question. And what's most important is that you understand what God's word means. Because just in the few minutes that I've read that article, it spanned hundreds of years. It has <coughs> several <coughs> different denominations involved. And nobody is even close to being aligned. It all depends on what's going on at a particular time in a geographical location and how they can make it in a news reporting context or soundbite. It's about being able to disseminate information, but it has nothing to do about carrying the gospel. So as you can see, in a historical sense, it talked about to be able to differentiate as to what was going on with Romans and them announcing their military victories as the good news and what the good news was in reference to the kingdom of God, what Jesus being the center. He is our good shepherd. He is our chief priest. He is never-ending. So that's what the kingdom of God represents. So we have to look at, are we lining up with the kingdom of God? And are we adhering to the gospel message? That's what it comes down to. So what is an evangelical? We need to go back to the word of God so that we can start looking at these scriptures and understanding what the Word of God is saying. It's very important. That's the thing that you need to walk away with here. There are a lot of things going on, but do they line up with the Word of God? Because one thing about the Word of God, it's not changing. It's the same. And that's the standard that we need to adhere to. So I really, really hope that we can just fine-tune our minds and hearts to 
come together and let the Word of God be the authority. See, it doesn't have to be the final authority. It is the authority. This is what we're going to have to understand. So I'm going to go back to uh, Strong's G2098, and let's look and see how this is lining up. And there's plenty of scripture references. I read off a lot to you, but we're going to get to some of those scriptures today and make sure that we are where we need to be in a season called now. Let me get back to Strong's G2098. And if you're just joining us today, we're talking about what is evangelical. That's what we're talking about today. So, in reference to the Bible, let me give you what we have in Strong's G2098. It says, a reward of good tidings. Good tidings. The glad tidings of the kingdom of God, soon to be set up, and subsequently also of Jesus the Messiah, the founder of this kingdom. After the death of Christ, the term comprises also of the preaching of concerning Jesus Christ, of having suffered death on the cross to procure eternal salvation for the men in the kingdom of God. But as restored to life and exalted to the right hand of God in heaven, hence to return in majesty to consummate the kingdom of God, the glad tidings of salvation through Christ, the proclamation of grace of God manifested and pledged in Christ, the gospel, as the messianic rank of Jesus was provided by his words, his deeds, and his death. The narrative of the saints, deeds, and death of Jesus Christ came to be called the gospel or the glad tidings. And if we look at Strong's G2097, you will see the good message, the gospel. So I'm very excited that it is very clear and it's meaty and it's weighty And we have a lot to study here. We must be very, very encouraged by this. So we already looked at Matthew 4.23. So we're going to look at some more scriptures in Matthew. So I'd love for you to go to the book of Matthew, and uh, I'm going to go back to my notes, and we're going to start looking at some scripture. So... Where I would like to go now is we're going to go to Matthew, and we're going to look at chapter 9, and we're going to look at verse 35 again. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And again, I'm in the New King James Version, and the Word of God says this, Matthew 9, 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That was Matthew 9.35. And we are going to go now to Matthew 24.24. 24. 
So if you can go to Matthew 24, 24 with me, um, make that Matthew 24, 14. That should be Matthew 24, 14. If you can go there. So, and the Word of God says this, Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom would be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. All right. Now we're going to go into the book of Mark. So let's look at Mark. We are going to go to Mark 1. And it says right here, Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Wow. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's amazing. Then we're going to go down to verse 15. But let's look at verse 14. We're still in Mark 1, so we're going to look at Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. Verse 14, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, 15, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Look at that that he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And then you look in the last part, it says repent and believe in the gospel. It's just so refreshing to me as a believer that it is so clear when we look at what the word intended to mean And it intended to mean the good news, the glad tidings, very focused, very direct. It is encouragement. It is very clear because the Roman government and the army, they were making pronouncements constantly. And there had to be a difference. There had to be something that was more than just what was on the surface. It had to speak to us because it was a message of salvation. It was a message of repentance. It was a message of forgiveness. It was a message of regeneration. It was a message of becoming one with Christ. And it was a message of old things passing away and things becoming new because we were having a different heart condition. The gospel pierced our heart. It confronted our minds. It made us take a hold and take account of our actions. It made us realize that we were in such a need of a Savior. 
we were in such a need of a Lord. We had been bombarded with so many mixed messages and so much hypocrisy and that we had to see something totally different than what we had been used to, that we couldn't keep having dull senses and just saying, well, that's just the way it is, when our hearts knew that there was something better. It had to be. And it is something better. The gospel. It's riveting that our Lord spoke these words and they have power today. They're transformative. And we have to make sure that we're not caught up, that we aren't trying to put everything in a category, that we cannot try to dumb it down. No, this message, this gospel represents a holy kingdom, an eternal kingdom. We cannot equate it with a mere category that is good for posters and politicians and people who write news articles. No disrespect. The news is important. But the good news is eternal. It's a difference. Because we have to understand who the author is. So that's the big difference right there. Who is the author and finisher of your faith? Is it what you see on television? Is it what you read in a magazine? Is it motivated by advertising dollars? Is it motivated by a need for a person to have a position at all costs? Is it motivated by a particular group of people to have sway and influence over that that God has created, over what God has ordained, as over to what God has commanded? We have to ask ourselves, Who are you going to believe in a season called now? It's very important that we study words and we understand their origin and that we understand when we're reading the Bible who the audience is at the time and how does this word appear in Scripture. Now, we're going through the Scriptures right now so that you can get an understanding of how this word appears. 
and its true meaning, when we start reading the scriptures, we see the nature of the word. We see the intent of the word because the word is coming from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's encouraging us. It's calling us. It's fortifying us. It's strengthening us. It's healing us. Because he's all those things. Mark 8, verse 35, and the word of God says this, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Wow. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? It deals with our salvation. Because this body is going to die. But the soul will live on. Because we became a living soul when God breathed his breath into us. God is eternal, so his breath is eternal. So we are a living soul. But see, there's a qualifier here. And if we read that again and understanding who God is, and at this time, when Jesus came to fulfill the prophecy, to finish the work that was necessary so that we can partake in the gift of salvation, there was a lot of concern about death. Many versions about it. But see, when we read Mark 8.35 again, and it says, for whoever desires, see that word, desires to save his life, will lose it. Because that's the natural. Now let's look into the supernatural. See, there's a comma, and it says, but, see, that's a natural man's mindset. Now, let's look at the supernatural man's mindset who is inhabiting the Holy Spirit, the comforter and the helper, who has come into a right relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at what it is saying to that man or that woman of a supernatural, of a divine, of an eternal mindset. It says, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. We've talked about it many times. That it's important that we understand that we will die once and be born twice. We will be born of a natural birth where we come out of our mother's womb. And then for those of us who desire and seek a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ and enter into one, then we will lose that old man and we will regain the new man because we recognize who our Lord and Savior is. 
So the M in mine is capitalized, representing him. And of course, he is the good news. We'll save it. We will be glorified with him when we take on his characteristics. When we stay focused on what he asked us to remain focused on, and that is sharing the good news. Has nothing to do with a denomination. Has nothing to do with a club or an organization. Has nothing to do with a political party affiliation. They will die. They will pass away. They will change. But he won't. Nor will his gospel. Look to the higher things. Look to the pure things. Look to the divine things. Because that's where you'll find him. We have to step up and meet him. But it's going to require us to do some work. And shed a need to belong with something that cannot save you, nor keep you, nor protect you, nor heal you, nor deliver you. Don't be distracted on your way to your father's house, your father who lives in heaven. Don't be distracted. Don't be divided. Because a house that's divided, the Word of God tells us it can't stand. How can it stand? It has no foundation but division. And that's not the way it should be. No. God is calling us to him, to his kingdom, and everything that's holy, and everything that's eternal, and everything that's good. He does not want division in his children. That does not honor us or them. I thank God for his clarity. I really do. It's a blessing. And we have to really get back into the scriptures so that we can appreciate that. Now, we're going to move on to some more scriptures here because I think we have some more time. So, we're going to look at, let's see, I have Mark. 13.10, uh, but let's go to Mark 10.29 first. So let's go to Mark 10.29 first. So Mark 10.29. And again, I'm in the New King James Version. 
And the Word of God says this. Verse 29, So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or land for my sake and the Gospels. That is amazing. Amazing. He just makes it so plain. Verse 30, Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. See, look at that. The gospel has guaranteed blessings. Guaranteed. And look at the last part. It says eternal life. See, you will be rewarded for your time on this earth. You will be rewarded. That's a special message to us as joint heirs. as partakers in this rich and beautiful gospel. We ought to get excited about that, that reassurance, that blessed reassurance. This is not the time to faint. This is not the time to give up. This is the time to be reinvigorated because it's a promise. It's from him not a man that he would lie, nor a sinner that he would have to repent. This is our Lord and Savior. This is our King of Kings. This is our Lord of Lords. This is King Jesus, the one who makes intercession for us with the Father, the one that died for all our sins. That's why we have to understand the awesome responsibility that we have been given to tell others about him. Yes, we're more than conquerors. Hooper Nikayo, we talked about that last week. Hooper Nikayo, we're more than conquerors. Romans 8.37 I just get lifted every time I go deeper and deeper into the scriptures. Every time. Mark 13, verse 10. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Nations deal with ethnicity. Everyone. Everyone. It says, and the gospel must first, see that, must first be preached to all nations. That's a mandate. That does not mean people who look just like you 
or people who are in your same zip code or people who are in your same pew. That's not what that means. Preached. We have an obligation and a duty and an assignment here. It's a kingdom assignment. See, If you don't know, now you know. Don't let anybody trick you out of what your duties and responsibilities are as a brother and sister of Christ. That's the first thing you must do. You read it there for yourself. So we're going to keep going. We're going to go down to Mark 14, verse 9. And the Word of God says, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Wow. See, we have a great opportunity to share in these testimonies, to be able to receive the treasures that we purposely store in heaven because those are the ones that a person can't break in and steal, nor will it tarnish. Carrying the gospel message will definitely get you blessed. And we must reach out to all nations. Oh, it's exciting. You don't know what to do. You're being encouraged right now. You're being reminded. Let's look at Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. All nations. Go out into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There it is again. I just am amazed at how clear and concise and timeless this message is. It never gets old. It never ceases in its power, in its reach. It is never a time limit on it. It never expires. Never. It just gets more and more passion-filled, exhilarating, clearer, has more of a sense of urgency each time I hear it. And I hope it does the same for you. I hope you can feel it, the electricity that's in it. And we're not shocked to death by it. We're shocked to life by it. 
amazing. Acts 15.17. Excuse me, Acts 15.7. I say again, Acts 15.7. Again, I'm in the New King James Version, and the Word of God says this. And when there has been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that my mouth, the Gentiles, should hear the word of the gospel and believe. See, Peter understood. And they were from all over. And he wasn't going to allow anybody, and especially his brethren, to stop him from doing what God has specifically called him to do. Are any of you being stopped? Well, you're not being stopped by God. He commands you to go. And preach it. Take it to the people. The people need to hear a word from God. They need to know that he's real. They need to know that he's active in your life. They need to know that you're in a relationship and that you can call on your father at any time. And he's there for you. And you're committed to him. They need to be able to see that there's a divine love that is in you, that's taking over you. And when others are unkind to you, you still show them the love of Christ. You still give them the message that is needed because you wouldn't want your worst enemy upon Christ's return to be separated from him. No. We all are in need of a Savior and of a Lord and of this Word and of this life of an eternal God, an eternal kingdom. Yes, we can all benefit, especially in a season called now. Let's take hold of it. It is our humble prayer that the Most High God of all creation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit filled, live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 a.m. and 101.5 FM. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at 
www.savethelosslv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas, 8903. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852, North Las Vegas, 8903. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what. Why don't you bless this ministry? Yes, that's right. Bless them by calling them, emailing them, and share with them that their ministry has blessed you. You can do it. It means they're making a difference here in Las Vegas. Uh, Besides, it helps them stay on the air here at KKVV. Bless them financially, too, to ensure they continue blessing you. You can do it. And when you do, make sure to inform them that you're listening on KKVV Las Vegas. Carl Stanley invites you to join him for In Touch, Monday through Friday at 1.03 p.m. The gospel, the good news of the grace of God provided as a result of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is a match.